Time now for some insight into the world of college fantasy football. For more on that, we go out to the hotline and from Rotowire, John McKechnie, kind enough to join us this afternoon. Follow him on Twitter at John's underscore tailgate. Appreciate you taking the time, John. What's going on? Hey, what's going on, guys? Uh, glad to be glad to be on with you. Appreciate uh, the offer to come on and, and talk a little bit of uh, college pigskin here. Yeah, it's one of those things I have spoken about for years and years of, oh, college fantasy football, that'd be fun. I should do one of those. I should do one of those. Pete invites me the other day. I join this league. All of a sudden, I get hit with the first pick and uh, can't sign into a draft room. And he doesn't take Jonathan Taylor. He takes As a Derek Wisconsin King. graduate? Yeah, he's not a Wisconsin no, not, graduate. No, okay. no heavens to But no, I get Derek <laughs> King instead. What... What needs to be known about if you're going to be in a college fantasy football league? Like, what are just the simple facts, the simple things that should be known by everyone that donates their 20 bucks or whatever it is to join a league? What's the the tips and advice that everyone should have? Um, I think that what everyone needs to know is that, you know, guys – Guys that are the headline grabbers from the national media perspective, your, your guys on Alabama, or at least it's been that way for a while, not necessarily anymore with Tua um, or like a Trevor Lawrence, they're great players, but you can't necessarily conflate uh, their NFL draft stock uh, with fantasy football production. I mean, last year, Tua obviously put up great numbers, but uh, sometimes, you know, he's not out there playing all four quarters, and that can end up hurting you in the long run. So um, you got to look a- dig a little bit deeper you got to look at system uh the system variety uh that you see at the college level versus uh the nfl level is you know pretty much the biggest difference in my opinion i mean we got teams running you know upwards of 80 85 plays uh per game on on the upper end of things whereas in the nfl if a team is pushing 70 then they're considered extremely up tempo so there's a lot more plays a lot more volume uh, to be had, and, and you know, the Russian quarterback at the college level is also uh, something that's a lot more prominent, and that <clears throat> that of course makes them kind of like the premier uh, fantasy asset. So it's no surprise that uh, with the first three picks, we had dual threat guys uh, who are extremely talented, both as quarterbacks uh, and as athletes, as runners. So first pick, Derek King out of Houston, um, he's going to be running Dana Holgerson's system. Uh, the the bit of a, an air raid offshoot uh, coming down from from West Virginia, but you know he was a guy that was leading the the nation in fantasy points per game until he got hurt late last year. Uh, so great runner, also a great thrower of the football, good weapons around him. And then uh, Justin Fields and, and Jalen Hurts, two guys who are a little bit more uh, household names. Hurts obviously a little bit more, but Fields, former uh, number two overall uh, recruit, dual threat guy, going into the Ohio State system. So makes sense that he uh, would also go off the board that high. So those are the kind of guys that you're targeting, especially at the quarterback position. And what's crazy about college fantasy, it seems, is that wide receiver is so hard to figure out. I mean, when the season's on, then you can kind of gauge here and there who the guys are. Uh, But it's just not a deep pool. Tight end is impossible. Running back's obviously the star position. There's a million quarterbacks. But wow, good luck finding the top wide receivers. And you know, even if you get a good one, he might only get like eight touchdowns. Whereas, like you said, if you get like a Sam Ellinger, he could run for sixteen touchdowns, and all of a sudden your quarterback is just head and shoulders better than anything a receiver, a top receiver, would do. Oh yeah, exactly. And and you know, we saw last year. I, th- I think like the one of the better examples that I can have, and, and it speaks to the volatility uh, of of college football just in general. We, we could see things change so much from year to year when all the signs would point to. Uh, a guy, you know, taking that next step. So last year, 
uh, going into the season. I think a lot of people were very high on uh, Dylan Stoner, uh, a slot receiver for Oklahoma State. It's, you know, everyone figured James Washington is gone. Uh, so there's going to be this, this next guy. Stoner seemed to be the best of, of the bunch uh, coming back up, and he completely busted out last year, uh, just really was, was not much of a fantasy factor. And I think uh, Devin Butler, I think, was, was the other guy from Syracuse. Everyone wants a piece of the Syracuse system uh, with Dino Babers. And it's a very like high-tempo uh, offense with a, with a lot of uh, passing, and he was perceived to be the number one receiver in that. A lot of people were, were spending like you know their number one receiver picks on him, and he you know completely fell uh, flat. I think he ended up with like less than ten catches. So yeah, receiver uh, can be super volatile. So I kind of just rely on on system a little bit when it when it comes to receiver. Um, there there are the occasional sure thing, um, but generally you want to look for offenses that that kind of uh, play or skew a little bit more towards the pass than the run. And, you know, so if you go to like the, the Big 12 or the Mountain West, uh, those teams that are running a little bit more wide open, that's like a better place to kind of start uh, your search for wide receivers other than, you know, some of the programs that, that tend to uh, go more the bully ball route. So college football fantasy, college fantasy football hasn't been able to take off like an NFL, like the NFL style is just because there's so many teams, so many mismatches. It's kind of, and plus it's such a regional sport where people in uh, Oregon don't care about teams from Florida and vice versa. Whereas it doesn't matter where you live, you're going to care about Russell Wilson. You're going to care uh, about what Tom Brady does. It's just a different animal altogether. However, it seems like college would be better suited for the DFS, the daily fantasy world, just because you can pretty much exploit the matchups a whole lot better uh, than you can do at the NFL level. Oh yeah, yeah. College DFS is really the the wild west, and and uh, in the in the year or so that before it went away initially, it went away after the 2015 season. So that that year before, I felt like it was a little bit easier to to gain an edge if you if you merely paid attention to, to the news and the and the reports coming out of practice. But um, I felt like this past year with with college DFS being reinstated, I think the general player pool in terms of the the you know the guys in on the DFS, it was sharper. It was, it was tougher to gain an edge on the room. Um, I think you really, really had to dig deep. You had to be a little bit more metrically uh, sound with, with the things that you were looking for um, in terms of, you know, both the, ga- the game tempo, the, the game script, uh, that sort of thing, and also, you know, looking, looking at the injury reports and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, it, it marries up a lot of those things. And, the, again, like you were saying, the player pool is deeper. So if you if you are the guy that that hits right on the min price guy, um, then you have a huge leg up on the competition. And guys like that pop off every single week in college. Whereas in the NFL, you can pretty much only think of that like once or twice a season, where a min price guy uh, kind of carries a given contest. How do most rules in in fantasy leagues in college work? You have the trades that go on in in fantasy football in the NFL and you have the all the free agent wire and, and this and that and the other, how does it work in a college game where it's not more of the traditional idea of the way the system is kind of run? Um, in terms of just like the, the week to week, I mean, waiver wire uh, runs earlier in the week. Um, trades do exist, but generally the, the, because the the player pool is so large, you're less inclined to kind of trade with, um, people within your league, you can kind of make your way just by killing the waiver wire. I mean, the waiver wire, of course, is super important for, for NFL 
fantasy, but you, you can find guys that, you know, were kind of completely flying under the radar. Like sleepers don't really exist at the NFL level just because there's so much media attention. But at the college football level, you know, a guy who's a relative unknown, uh, only like the Sharps knew of, like a Rondale Moore last year, uh, th- those guys could like change the league if you went ahead and grabbed him after his amazing week one performance against Northwestern, then, you know, you kind of all of a sudden had, it it would be like the equivalent of being able to pick up a DeAndre Hopkins after week one. So do you find it's more fun uh, to play maybe by conference by conference? Because again, uh, the difference being the college football is such a, uh, a regional sport. It, the again, Big Twelve fans don't care about what happens in the SEC. Like, is it better to like just because the, there's so many players out there, just say, okay, we're going to focus this just on a conference, or do you find it just more fun to do it on a national basis? Uh, so from my from my perspective, because like it, it is kind of my job to know the front and back of all 130 teams. I love the huge leagues, like the one that we drafted today. But I think if you're trying to get your your uh, feet wet and in the college game, I think that the customizability that that there is out there, both on fan tracks and on Yahoo, Yahoo does the um, just the Power Five plus Notre Dame, and you can customize to just have it, you know, a 12 team league with your with your buddies, and have it be a Big Ten league or a Big Ten Pac-12 uh, league. So I think starting starting things out that way uh, can be like a fun, uh, interesting way to to not only get to know the the players a lot better. Um, but not have it be that that overwhelming thing where there's always the sharp in the room that knows the exact guy to pick up, that knows the guy uh, who has the softest matchup, that kind of thing. It kind of levels the playing field the the smaller uh, that you make the the player universe, but it also makes it more competitive that way too. It you know it gives everyone a more fair shot if you if you play like just power five or you know, customize it to whichever conference that you like. Uh, I'm the one who always gets screwed because since I actually know all 130 teams, they're like, oh, I know this. And so I'll take a guy. It's, okay, they're going to go up against Robert Morris or something mm-hmm. like this this week. And I'm, I'm going to exploit this matchup. And the guy plays like a quarter. And so yep. that that's kind of – so more specifically then on a grander scale, on the bigger scale, how do you deal with a team like Alabama? When you look at – okay, obviously you've got all this NFL talent, all these explosive players, but they might play – half. So you really have to, it's great to have a Tua Tunga Viola and Najee Harris, who I picked up, uh, and some of these great receivers, but wow, that's just a tough team to have because they're fantasy studs if they play. Right. So, so it's like, it's one of those things where, where maybe like the, the concept of like stacking a, a given team uh, kind of makes more sense. And if you, if you have more like starting spots in your lineup to dedicate uh, to that sort of thing, if you're or if you're playing like in a in a best ball type format, but yeah, Alabama is always like the the consummate trickiest question, um, and I think specifically these days uh, the the running back with them always is tough. I mean, the, other than Derrick Henry, it's hard to really think back, and of course Mark Ingram, of a time where they they are truly giving you know like uh, like a forty percent of the rushing share to to one of their running backs. Um, just because they're always, they always have, you know, two to three five-star running backs uh, just waiting in the wings, and, you know, they want to wait and use their starter for, for games that actually matter. So uh, Alabama running backs are always a little bit tough. And then the, with the receivers, you really just have to trust that even if they only end up, like a Jerry Judy only ends up like six, seven targets, the fact that he averaged, you know, almost like 18 yards a target um, during a stretch last season, you just know that it might not be the best volume, it might not be the best for like PPR, but you know he's going to be getting the most 
out of those targets, and he's you know more likely than not going to be scoring a touchdown on top of it. So who's our Rondell Moore of this year? Who's the one the Sharps are all in on or going to have week one that uh, that turns the heads of a college football nation? Um, it seems like for for uh, for receiver freshman receivers um, that that could see their way into into big playing time and a big role in an offense that uh, is tailored to fantasy production. Someone to keep an eye on is Wandale Robinson uh, of Nebraska. He's a guy that can make an impact both in the run game and uh, as a receiver. J.D. Spielman's going to be that number one guy uh, for Nebraska at, on the outside. But Wandale Robinson, he's just so versatile. He's a huge recruiting uh, get for Nebraska. And obviously, I mean, they're running the Scott Frost system. We saw how much or how well that worked out at Central Florida and how strong it looked uh, towards the end of last season. So Wondell Robinson's a guy to keep an eye on. And I also really like uh, John Emery of LSU. He's someone that I've been getting almost everywhere. He's a uh, five-star running back uh, at LSU. LSU is kind of missing that stud running back last year that we, you know, we've been used to seeing it from either Leonard Fournette or Darius Geis uh, dating back to, you know, the, yeah, the earlier parts of this decade and beyond. Um, they didn't really have it last year, whether it was Nick Brossett or Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who is still on the team, but he's just, you know, like he's a four yards per carry guy. He's not really that explosive, wasn't like a blue-chip recruit or anything. LSU is definitely in, like, win-now mode. They're, they're trying to get over the hump and, and win the West uh, for a change here. And Emery, uh, clearly the most talented running back uh, that they have on that roster. So I think before – mid-September that that question will be answered and uh, he'll be that workhorse guy uh, for the Tigers. All right last question for you and we'll let you go because I want you to kind of affirm my greatness of my Patrick Taylor pick from Memphis as running back. (laughs) Give us the group of five guy who is okay the national fan isn't going to know who they are uh, but is just going to put up massive numbers. Is it going to be a Patrick Taylor? Is it going to be like the 12 Liberty guys who I think I have on my team now? Uh, Give me one of those group of five guys that again is going to be that statistical star for this season. Yes, yeah, so um, I think that Patrick Taylor is a great uh, guy to start with. I think Michael Warren out of out of Cincinnati, he's only getting better. Um, so he's a really exciting player that they they tend to to lean on the ground game um, a fair bit. Um, let's see, looking at, at receivers, I think you could stick with Memphis, uh, a guy like a Demonte Coxie, uh, really good. Um, and then going back to like the quarterback position, uh, Nathan Rourke is someone who I'm really, really high on. Uh, super consistent. We have two straight years of sample with him of going for at least 38 total touchdowns. A lot of those come on the ground. Uh, they lost two of their like starting running backs from a year ago. So I think there's going to be like a bigger onus on him in the run game. So I think that we could see him push for like 16, 17, uh, maybe even 18 touchdowns, and that makes him one of the most viable and valuable uh, fantasy guys out there. And then uh, Hawaii also just always has dudes. And that's the fun part. I know this because having Hawaii guys over the last few years, the fun part about Hawaii is you know in the bank somehow at the end of the night at like 2 in the morning, your fantasy numbers are just going to go through the roof because I've got this in the bank, and I know I've got this coming my way in about four hours from now. Yeah, that's that's always like fun to wake up to on on Sunday morning, or, or if if you uh, if you stay out till till two o'clock and then you check that that Hawaii box score, if you uh, if you run into that, um, yeah, that's always a, a pleasant surprise, or it's not really a surprise even; it's just a treat because you know that Hawaii is money in the bank with that run and shoot offense.
Awesome stuff, John. Appreciate you giving us the four one one on this. I'm a first time. Did you say four one one to him? Yeah, the four one one. All right. Fine. People still call four one one. You did. All I right. mean, I, I'm still a ten ten three two one guy. So, <laughs> so he's lucky I didn't make this call. Collect, John. Appreciate you taking the time. Though this was a lot of fun. I cannot wait for this season because it's something I've said I've wanted to do for the better part of a decade. One of Pete, us. One of us. Pete finally <laughs> All right. got me to pull the trigger on it. So it should be fun. Appreciate glad, you taking yeah, the glad time. To, glad to have you. And uh, and thanks for. Ton for, for having me on. This was a great time. John McKenzie wrote a wire where you can follow all of his work. Appreciate him taking the time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the College Football News Podcast with Nick Shepkowski and Pete Futek. More to come. Make sure to tell your friends if you're college football fans, teams specifically, if they're fantasy football players. Tell them to subscribe to this. Tell them to, to subscribe. Leave a rating. Pass it along to another friend and see what we can do with this. For Heat Tech, I'm Nick Shepkowski. Thanks again for listening to the College